Hi, I'm Connie Loises. And this is Alex Gove. And this is Strictly VC Download. Hi, it's Friday, November 6th, or in the words of some very tired cable TV hosts, day four of the U.S. presidential election. The only comic relief for many of us this week is centered on watching reporters like John King of CNN and Steve Kornacki of MSNBC around the clock and wondering how they've been able to spend so many hours zooming in and out of these digital maps and making these split-second calculations about new voting numbers without going insane or else crying. <laughs> In any case, we could talk about the election itself for a very long time. Instead, we're going to dive right into a few of this week's news stories before getting to this week's interview with Bryn Putnam, founder of the popular home fitness startup Mirror, which sold earlier this year to Lululemon. On Tuesday, Chinese regulators shut down the mega IPO of Jack Ma's Ant Group, a transaction that was expected to value the Chinese mobile payments provider in excess of $34 billion. The reasons behind the IPO's suspension are still unclear. While some say Ma's public claim last week that regulators were stifling innovation was to blame, the Shanghai Stock Exchange said it stopped the IPO because of a significant change in the regulatory environment. It did not explain what it meant by this. One would think that China's decision to step on Ant's IPO would lead other Chinese companies to shelve their plans to go public. But Kuaisho Technology, an operator of a popular short video and live streaming platform that competes with ByteDance in China, just filed for an IPO that would value it at a whopping $50 billion. Although Kuaisho's public offering won't take place until January, it was a sign that the public markets in China are marching on. Kuaisho, which has raised $4.8 billion in private capital, is less well-known than ByteDance, which owns TikTok, a short video service that ran afoul of the Trump administration for supposedly sharing information with the Chinese government. Nevertheless, Kuaisho generated almost $4 billion USD in the first six months of this year, a 48% increase over the same period last year. While Kuaisho may not be as well-known as Ant, with these kinds of numbers, that seems like it's about to change. Another story this week centers on Steve Wesley, a former eBay executive turned state controller in California, turned wealthy Silicon Valley investor, who launched a venture firm back in 2007 to focus very narrowly on clean tech investing. His timing could have been better. Soon after the firm's launch, green investments fell out of fashion in a big way owing to their capital-intensive nature and some well-publicized failures. But Wesley, an early investor in Tesla and even a former board member, has stuck to his guns throughout. And of course, cleantech is once again hot. In fact, with a Joe Biden administration, unlike with Donald Trump, who'd reversed nearly 100 environmental rules around air pollution, water pollution, and toxic substances, Biden is expected to make the climate very much a priority, re-entering the U.S. in the Paris Climate Agreement, supporting electric vehicles and sustainable energy more broadly, and more aggressively restricting carbon-based fuels. That's quite naturally music to the ears of Wesley, who we spoke with earlier. It was an interesting conversation. We talked about the election and whether he's concerned that more Republican legislators haven't had much to say about Donald Trump's false claims that ballots counted past Election Day are illegal. We also talked about the exodus from California with Joe Lonsdale, who co-founded the data analytics company Palantir and the venture fund 8VC, recently joining a string of other wealthy investors and founders who've headed to Austin, Texas, where there is no state tax. 
On this front, Wesley was sympathetic. He said he has many friends who've left, and he worries very much about how the state makes up what was recently a surplus and is now a $40 billion deficit owing to COVID-19. He doesn't want the state to tax individuals so heavily that they flee California. At the same time, he noted it's really hard to make back the money by simply spending less. Of course, not last, we talked about his great passion, which is the growing electrification of the car industry, as well as buildings, which were dumb and are getting smart and more efficient very fast all of a sudden. If you care about green tech, I think it's worth a read. You'll find it in Friday's newsletter or up on TechCrunch.com. In another story at the intersection of technology and politics, Facebook is adding more friction to the way American political extremists can use its platform. The move is a response to Facebook groups like Stop the Steal, a pro-Trump group founded to protest ballot fraud in our current presidential election. Stop the Steal grew to more than 361,000 members within 24 hours, and a number of the group's members called for real-world violence. Facebook claimed that Stop the Steal was devoted to the, quote, delegitimization of the election process and banned it. Going forward, Facebook will slow the spread of live video on its platforms and reduce the likelihood that users will see content that its algorithms classify as potential misinformation. These measures are similar to what Facebook has already done in at-risk countries such as Myanmar, Ethiopia, and Sri Lanka. Facebook's decision to limit the spread of political misinformation in the U.S. has been a long time in coming. The Senate Intelligence Committee documented Russia's manipulation of Facebook way back in 2016. More recently, Facebook groups spread misinformation about the coronavirus epidemic and provided a forum for extremists organizing violent protests against political figures such as Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer. Facebook undoubtedly hopes that its efforts against Stop the Steal and other Facebook groups will dampen efforts by legislators to regulate the social media giant by removing protective provisions such as Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, which relieves social media companies of liability for user posts. One thing is for sure, its high-profile moves during this time of heightened political tensions will not go unnoticed. Up next, our interview with Bryn Putnam. But first, a word from our sponsor. The world's largest technology conference returns for its 10th edition this December, when Web Summit will take place on an all-new purpose-built platform. 2020 has led to inflection points for many industries, including the public and private markets. Are SPACs rolling funds and direct listings here to stay? Which asset classes will continue to appreciate into 2021? Join Mark Cuban, Fred Wilson and Aileen Lee, as well as more than 1,000 investors on Web Summit's Investors Track, as they explore these inflection points and the state of venture in 2020 and beyond. Investors listening can reserve their place on WebSummit's investor track at websummit.com forward slash strictly VC. That's websummit.com forward slash strictly VC. WebSummit 2020, running December 2nd to December 4th. This week is Bryn Putnam, a former professional ballet dancer who went on to open what would become a chain of boutique fitness studios in New York under the brand Refined Method. She's also perceptive. After realizing how much her clients enjoyed watching themselves work out in the kind of mirrors to which she was accustomed as a ballerina, 
And then having a kind of light bulb moment at the same time when, while pregnant with her now four-year-old son, she tried streaming workouts and couldn't figure out where to set up her computer or phone to do it, she leapt into a second business, launching Mirror, a home fitness startup that is literally a mirrored screen that's four feet by two feet and looks innocuous, elegant even, but can stream all kinds of things to owners, from Pilates classes to yoga to kickboxing to even on-demand and live meditation classes. It wasn't just a smart idea, it was so well executed, down to its embrace by celebrities who raved about it on social media, that less than four years after founding the company, Putnam sold it this past June to Lululemon for $500 million in cash, with just $50 million held back as an earn-out payment over two years. It was a great exit for Putnam, who continues to run the company. It was a nice, fast return for investors who plugged $72 million into the company. I think the big question certainly it's my question, is whether after getting the sizable third screen into people's homes and considering how much time people are now spending at home, she sold it too soon. Bryn, thank you so much for joining us. It's really a a treat to get to talk to you. I think a lot of people listening are probably very familiar with her product and know a little bit now about why you started the company, but I'm interested to know how you started the company. Yeah, I've started two businesses now. The first was a bricks and mortar fitness studio called Refine Method that's about a decade old. And and then Mirror, which was founded in 2016. And in both cases, the businesses were born out of a personal need to find a solution for a personal problem. And both businesses started really with my own two hands in my kitchen. So in the case of Mirror, I had this concept for the product. And then really the first step was buying a Raspberry Pi, a piece of one-way glass and an Android tablet and assembling it in my kitchen to see if this idea in my mind would be able to work and come to life. And so I've always had a similar founder's story and journey where I see a problem, I find a solution that would serve my needs, and then I build it with my own two hands at first. That's incredible. So did you take any coding classes? I don't think people would think that a former ballet performer who had a chain of fitness studios could necessarily put something together like that in her kitchen. No, I've been very fortunate to have a husband who has a bit of a development background. And so he helped me to put the first little bit of code into the mirror and just really ensure that the concept I had in my mind could be brought to life. And then from there, obviously, over time, hired a team. And were they manufactured in the States, in China, or how did you start figuring out how to put those pieces together? I had heard a lot of, frankly, hardware horror stories about teams working with design agencies to design these beautiful products. And then by the time they actually got to manufacturing, they found out that something wasn't feasible about their design when it came to commercialization or just running out of money in the process. And so I actually went backwards. I drew a sketch on a napkin and did a small set of bullets of the things that I thought were really just crucial to make the product a success. And then I went to find factories in China that were familiar with digital signage, working with large pieces of glass, large mirrors, learned about their systems and processes, and then brought it back to the US to a local manufacturer here on the East Coast to refine into a prototype. And then we eventually moved to Mexico when we were ready to scale. So working from the napkin backwards. Bryn, one of the cool things about a mirror that I really like is the fact that it doesn't take up a lot of space, but you're also selling a pretty expensive piece of equipment. The mirror is about $1,500. How did you go about winning the trust of consumers that would lead them to make such a big decision? 
Yeah, I mean, I think when you're building an innovation product, you can't really compete on specs and features like you do with phones or laptops. You're really building a brand, which means that you're telling stories. And in our case, we spent a lot of time from the very early days really imagining the life of our members and figuring out how to craft that story and tell that story. And then we were fortunate early on to have members fall in love with the product, and then they started to tell our story for us. And so once you have that customer flywheel that starts to kick in, your job becomes much easier. I was interested to know, just for the founders who are listening, about the fact that you had the actors, celebrities, designers, social media influencers who were adopting the mirror and talking about it. Was there a strategy behind that? Or was it a matter of you send it off to a few people and because the product's so great, they start getting on, online and sharing it with their followers? Was it that simple? Well, we knew that we wanted to make big bets early on to make the Mir brand seem larger and more established than it was because it's a premium product in a new category. And we, we wanted people to trust in us and, and the brand. And so we did things like out-of-home advertisements quite early. We moved into television quite early. And we also did some very strategic early celebrity placements. But the way in which the celebrity placements grew and expanded was very much not intended. And I think was just kind of a fascinating early example of the network effects of the product. One celebrity would get it and then another would see it in their home or they would see it in their stylist's home or their agent's home. And it spread through that community very, very quickly. And one of the earliest examples of member love for us. One of the questions that I'm sure new users have about the product is, is the company going to be around in six months or a year? And so knowing that the company has raised a significant amount of money would be pretty important. Was that a pretty big consideration for you guys? And also, how did you go about convincing investors to invest in this space, which hasn't been that renowned for huge financial successes yeah, absolutely. Trying to assure customers that they wouldn't invest in this mirror and then the company would go out of business in a few years and they'd be left with a piece of hardware, but no access to the content or the community that they'd fallen in love with was very important. And certainly one of the factors in deciding to partner with Lululemon and have really the incredible brand stability and love of such a premium global brand. And in terms of fundraising, I think we were really fortunate to have a product that once you saw it, you got it and fell in love with it in a market that was clearly big and growing with a really good competitive data point in Peloton. And so I think it was a nice confluence of things. And then also, I think, bolstered by the fact that our team has such strong domain expertise in the field of premium fitness. Right. And obviously, you went to Peloton, which was founded in maybe 2012. So there was already some reason for VCs to have confidence in the space. But of course, it's completely blown up in 2020, which makes it all the more interesting that you decided in the spring to sell the company. Can I ask who started that conversation with Lululemon? And were you talking to Peloton and other potential acquirers? I've been really fortunate to actually work with Lululemon for really my entire fitness career. There was a team of local Lululemon educators here in New York who were the very first clients of my studio business and frankly, in many ways, responsible for helping that business to grow and thrive and helping to give me 
confidence as a first-time small business owner. And then we reconnected with Lululemon about a year before the acquisition as an investor. So they made a small minority investment in the company and we began to work together on various projects, including the launch of Meditation, which we did about a year ago with some of the Lululemon ambassadors. So they were really instrumental in helping us to bring our first wellness content to the Mirror platform. And then from there, really, the partnership just grew. Mirror was not for sale. We were we were not looking for an acquirer, but it's really your responsibility as a founder to always be weighing your vision, your responsibility to your team, and your responsibility to your shareholders. And so when the opportunity presented itself, actually before COVID, it felt like really just too good an opportunity to pass up. Lululemon is a big company, loyal base, stores all over the country and world. But also you had ambitions of turning this into a much broader content portal where you would maybe have doctor visits and other things, which I would think won't happen now. I think the vision for the mirror very much remains the same, and we're excited to continue to expand the types of content that we offer via the mirror platform, really with an eye towards any type of immersive experience that makes you a better version of yourself. So I think you will see a broader range of content from us in the coming years. I think for our investor base, they really understood that the combination of mirror's technology and growing community with Lululemon's just beloved brand and global footprint was just this incredible opportunity for one plus one to equal five. And so I think they were very excited about the partnership. You've mentioned in the past that Mirror is a product that's used by families, which is great. You're stuck right now with your children in the house. They're going bananas and it's hard to get them maybe on a Peloton, depending on what size they are. But a Mirror is this perfect vehicle for keeping them entertained and active and healthy. Is there children's programming or is that coming soon? Yeah, I think one of the things that has surprised us but delighted us about Mirror has been the number of households that have over two members. So over 65% of our households have over two members, which means that you're often getting younger members of the household involved. And I do think that is a function of both the versatility of the platform and the fact that multiple people can participate in Mirror content at the same time. We've actually seen the number of users under 20 grow about 5x during COVID months as young adults have returned home to be with their families or teenagers have started doing remote schooling. And so we've leaned into that with what we call family fun content, which is content that is designed to be performed by the whole family together. And some of our most delightful social media content comes from families sweating together. The product is on the expensive side. It's $1,500 plus $40 per month for access to the content. Are there any plans to come out with a price point that's a little bit lower? Well, we do offer financing now, which brings the price of the mirror down to as low as $42 per month. And I think for many of our families using the mirror across multiple members of the family, it's actually a more affordable use of their funds than having multiple memberships or multiple class passes. So we've heard from many of our members that they have found actually great value because the versatility and flexibility of the platform has enabled the full family to get involved. But certainly over time, we hope to continue to grow access to our content but we have been pleased to see the wide range of household incomes enjoying the mirror to date. Bren, also just wondering, I think you've maybe, or somebody's compared the mirror to an Apple product in the past. A la Apple, would there ever be a secondary market or refurbished mirrors for sale? And, or has there been a second version? So really, you know, 
we, we view the mirror as a conduit for content. So we'll obviously continue to refine the hardware over time, but the real focus of the business is through improving the content community and experience that the mirror device provides. And so for us, unlike Apple, where the goal is to really release a new model every year and continue to have folks upgrade the hardware, we focus on providing updates via the software and the content so that we're continuing to add value onto the baseline experience. Yeah, it's really interesting that it's a technology company, but it also very much is a content company. Who do you see as your biggest competition out there? There are devices like Tonal, which have the ability to show programming. Are they competitors that you're watching or are there other companies out there that we haven't heard of yet that are on your radar? We really view the market in two halves. We think there are a large number of players and growing who are really tackling the challenge of at-home fitness from a product line extension perspective. So smart rowers, bikes, treadmills, connected weight machines, and I'm sure we'll continue to see more folks enter that space. And then we really view ourselves as in a different category, much more aligned with the smartphone space where we are providing a platform for content and we can provide you with any content you want at any time personalized for you. So if Hulu hooping is in today, we will add it. And if it's out tomorrow, we'll remove it. But it really puts us, this platform first perspective really puts us in a separate category and we view ourselves as going after really just a different opportunity. You founded this company in late 2016. You sold it this year. It seems like it couldn't have gone better for you, but what were some of the biggest challenges for you in creating Mirror that people might not already know? I think just the sheer size of the challenge. You're creating original hardware, software, and content is always hard, but was particularly hard in the early days as not only a non-technical founder, but really just my first time in a normal work environment. I went to my first office two weeks after my son was born and two weeks after I signed my first seed docs. And I was learning not just how to run this very large business, but how to build a team and be a manager and involve those things, which is very different than running a bricks and mortar fitness studio. So in the early days, we would often have just timing challenges where the hardware development would be behind or the software development would be behind, but the content development would be ahead and trying to get all those work streams to really line up perfectly such that you could launch a product you were proud of was really hard. And as a result, we missed our launch by about six months. We had already done early press. We told our investors we were launching and then looked at the product and felt like we we needed more time for it to really be worthy of a place in our members' homes. And so made the call to wait which was obviously hugely embarrassing and and demoralizing for the team, but the right call. How many employees do you oversee at Mirror? I think we're at about 125 today, and we'll be probably close to twice that by the end of next year. With this relationship with Lululemon, you said that much remains the same. So does that also mean that hotels, for example, are still being sold on installing these mirrors and other third-party vendors are actively being marketed this product? We do have B2B relationships. You can find mirrors in hotels, small gyms, buildings, residences, and then obviously direct to consumer through the mirror website, the Lululemon website, and both of our stores. In June, there was an article which said that the company expected to do about $100 million in revenue this year. Is that with Lululemon's support or were you guys projecting to do $100 million before the acquisition? We actually stated on Lululemon's most recent earning calls that we're on track to generate over $150 million in revenue this year. So we've continued to increase our targets as the year has gone on. I think 
Mirror was very much a fast-growing business before the partnership, before COVID even. But obviously, the, the strength of the partnership and this unique climate have accelerated our growth. Also, I have to ask, when you look at Peloton now and how its stock has completely exploded this year, and your product took off probably beyond your wildest dreams, do you think ever that you should have hung on a little longer? Do you ever think, God, maybe I sold too soon? I've woken up every day really for my entire career focused on the same mission, but trying to solve the problem and achieve my vision in in different ways, which is I really believe that confidence in your own skin is the foundation of a good and happy life. And fitness is an incredible tool for building that confidence that carries over into your personal relationships, your work performance, your friendships. And so for me, that's always really been the North Star, which is how do we get more mirrors and more homes and provide more access to that self-confidence. So I spend very little time comparing to competitors and much more time focused on our members' needs and how to meet them. It's probably early to ask this, but I just wondered, you've got plenty going on. You're managing Mirror as a subsidiary of Lululemon. You still have your refined boutique studios up and running as well. Is that correct? Yes. I'm very fortunate to have a team at Refined Method who handles really all the operations of the business, but I, I do remain the owner still. Given everything that's going on and you have so much great success with both of your businesses, what really keeps you up at night? Are there things that really are challenging to you that you worry about with the business or with what's ahead in the future? Oh gosh, so many things. I'm the mom of a four-year-old. And so I think the thing that probably keeps me up the most or, or gives me the most heartache is just ensuring that I'm putting the people that I love front and center still as the business grows larger and more complicated every single day. So those are always the things late at night or early in the morning that stir around in my head. Well, as parents, we understand that very well. I don't want to keep you too long. I think this has been wonderful. We're super fans of what you've built and wish you a lot of continued success, Bryn. Thanks. I appreciate it so much. And yeah, we're just at the beginning. So hopefully we'll reconnect. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in during what has surely been a very long week for everyone. Thanks, everybody. See you next week.